Grace and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and the Christ child, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our consideration this morning is found in Luke chapter 2 at the end, beginning at verse 41, and this is the account of Jesus as a boy when he was in Jerusalem. I would invite you to rise now for the, right, or the, the reading of the gospel text. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So far, the reading of the Holy Gospel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, by these words we ask that you would make us holy, that you would set us apart for yourself from this dying world, by the life, the perfect life of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lived that life for us and gave that life for us, that we might be with you in your family and live with you forever. We ask that you sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Fellow redeemed in Christ, fellow Christian and Christmas Christians. I have a habit of over-explaining things, especially when someone asks me a, a question. She's, she's laughing over there, my wife. I think it's an old habit from my, my teaching days, and it's it's not always appreciated. Sometimes people just want a quick answer. They don't want to know everything that you know. They just want the basics because they don't have the time or the inclination to look deeper. God knows all things. We say he's omniscient. He knows everything. And that includes the knowledge that we need. He knows exactly what we need. 
And while he's eternal and he could quite literally describe everything in all of creation in every detail, he's curated this collection of words that we call the Holy Bible so that it contains only what we need, exactly what we need, no more, no less, so that we can know what we need to know in our lifetimes, so that we can know Jesus. Every last word of the scripture documents his life, his perfect life lived for us. We spent the last two days thinking in quite a bit of detail about the events of, of Jesus' birth and this little season of Christmastide is the time when we think especially about God the Son entering into humankind, becoming one of us. He entered into mankind as Mary's child in Bethlehem. But the Son's story begins long, long before that, of course. The scriptures tell us that he is the eternal God. He has no beginning. He has no end. We have reason to believe that a number of times this person of the Holy Trinity was at work in history. But for the most part, God's son is off stage, waiting not for a grand entrance, but for the fullness of time, as St. Paul says, for the right time to enter into the world by his humble birth. And our God has chosen not to tell us so much of what the Son was doing during the Old Testament times, because he desires that we focus on Jesus, the God-man, and what he did to obtain for us the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Surely the works of the second person of the Trinity were of the utmost importance. You can be sure of that. But God chose to direct the attention of the descendants of Adam not to the unfathomable, pre-incarnate Son of God in eternity. Instead, his effort is focused on showing them who was coming, that the Son would be in the flesh, in time, the Son of Man, a real flesh and blood human being, though not born of Adam, but of God, not sinful, but sinless. The seed of the woman Mary who would crush the serpent's head as promised. This morning, we're going to jump ahead a little bit into Jesus' childhood. But we should remember those events that the scriptures tell us about, and we'll, we'll do that in the upcoming Sundays. We'll think about the giving of his name and his circumcision, his presentation, Simeon and Anna's response there in the temple as they beheld the Christ child, the flight into Egypt and his return, the slaughter of the innocents in Bethlehem, the coming of the wise men. We'll think about all of those things, but today we're going to jump ahead about 12 years. It won't take us very long to consider this whole account because 
it's pretty easy to skip right over. It's just a little bit at the end of Luke's gospel in chapter 2. There's only one account of it that's given to, the, to us of this event in Jesus' childhood. And it's the account of Jesus there in the temple. That's our gospel reading this morning. What made this event important enough that God would have it written down for us? Well, for one thing, this account underscores that Jesus really was a child. He was 12 years old when this happened. Just take a moment and think about what was going on in your life when you were 12 years old. At first blush, this doesn't seem to be all that impressive, but remember that this is the first and only time that God would be 12 years old in the flesh. The boy Jesus went with his family to the Feast of Passover in Jerusalem. This was the second time that God visited his temple in the flesh, at least that's recorded in the scriptures. And there he observed the ordinances that he himself had given. He worshiped the only true God. All of this is part of his plan to fulfill all righteousness for us. He was a child. It's true. The one and only perfect child who's ever lived. And he was submissive to his parents, the scriptures say. There's no shame in submission. Jesus was the 12-year-old who recognized that it was right and good for him to listen to his parents and to do as they asked and what they told him to do, so long as they instructed him to do things that were not in conflict with what God's word said. And Mary and Joseph were faithful parents that they lost track of him in that massive family reunion for Passover, that should never be seen as a sign of neglect on their part. He was with his cousins, and, and when Mary and Joseph realized that he wasn't among the cousins on their return trip, they reacted like any parent would. And they went back to search for him. And it took them a while, and they finally found him there in the temple, and that was a surprise to them. They had no reason to think that he would be there, especially that he would be there questioning and learning from the rabbis, but that's where Jesus stayed until their return. And all who heard him, it says, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. This points out that Jesus was growing up. The rabbis would not have conversed with a toddler. And Jesus was not just teaching them. He was actually learning God's word from them. He was growing in wisdom and stature as children do. This account reminds us, it underscores that while he was a child of Mary and Joseph and a part of their family, it also shows us that he was so much more because he's God. It seems odd to think that the God who knows all things would need teaching. He doesn't. But in that unique God-man, we must recognize that as God on the one hand, Jesus knew absolutely everything. And yet, as a human being on the other hand, 
He did not know everything, and so he needed to learn. And he did not learn for the failing quest of the academic, just so that he'd have some head knowledge for knowledge's sake. The text makes it clear that he was learning because he was preparing to minister to his people and the world with a ministry based solidly on the proper understanding of God's revealed word. This is why he had to be in his father's house. Surely Mary and Joseph knew that Jesus was their child for a very special reason. They both had heard from the angelic messenger of the Lord that Jesus would would be the Savior, that he would be the Messiah, that he would rescue his people. And Mary and Joseph surely knew that one day this special, sinless child of theirs would begin his work openly. They heard the prophecies. They knew them. They heard Simeon in the temple. They saw the effect that Jesus had on the learned rabbis of the temple. And they could, and they could have started at the temple had they only been more clear-headed at the beginning of their search, but they were doing what parents do when a child is missing. And they didn't understand right then what Jesus spoke to them, but it says that Mary treasured up these things in her heart. And that's why Luke was able to record these things in his account, because he was asking Mary, what happened? What were all those wonderful things that Jesus did when he was a child? And that's why she told Luke this account, so that we would know that Jesus, even from infancy, did as his father commanded. Jesus obeyed the law in a way that we never never could. We've never been able to. At most, we're able to outwardly obey sometimes. Maybe even occasionally as as believing Christians, we even do do, uh, good works from the right motivations. But Jesus lived under the law the whole time to redeem those who were under the law, the scriptures say. He did God's word perfectly. He lived perfectly. He never failed out of rebelliousness or ignorance of God's word or wrongheadedness or stubbornness. And this was the life that he was preparing to give on the cross as the sacrifice for our sins. It had to be perfect. It had to be a human life to save a human being. It had to be the very life of God himself to win salvation for all mankind, for all time, from every place and race and tribe and nation and language. Jesus' ministry had to identify him as the unique, only begotten Son of God. And that's why he did his miracles. And that's why his ministry played out as it did. Because the Lord was going to apply the obedient actions of the Son as he loved God and others 
to us. Jesus fulfilled the law and not just outward obedience. He did it perfectly from the right heart. And Jesus' ministry had to be forceful and complete and directed every step from Bethlehem all the way to Calvary, through the tomb and to eternal life. Jesus did all of that so that our lives, when we're attached to him through holy baptism, will follow him where he went and ascend to heaven. This event in Jerusalem illustrates that he was preparing for us already then the mansions of heaven. And so it's not unimportant. It's funny how when it comes to spiritual things, many people don't want the basics. They don't want the important events that God has revealed in his Bible. Oftentimes people have itching ears, the scriptures say, and they want to pay attention to weird half-truths and speculations and legends. There's a ton of them out there, like Jesus stretching boards in his father's carpenter shop or taking little clay birds and breathing life into them to impress his friends. People gravitate to nonsense like that. And they fill their minds with all manner of it. And they're not attentive to the important things that God himself, who speaks only truth, that God himself has recorded for us in the Holy Bible. I tell you, be astonished at what he has revealed. Be amazed at his understanding so that you trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And then instead of over-explaining the trivial and the speculative, you can share the gospel that leads people to eternal life, the eternal life that Jesus prepared for them. May this heart be in us when we hear these words. And may we give thanks that Jesus lived the perfect life for us. And may we hear again the precious, simple truth that the scripture tells us, that God says to us, you are forgiven, you are beloved, and there is a place for you in heaven because of this perfect child, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.